0: What's up, dolphins fans, and welcome into the Friday, January the 18th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we get to know Brian Flores, the man, a little bit better. Talk about the new prototype for this Miami Dolphins defensive scheme and the changes we will see in 2019. We uncork some more of your unpopular takes, and we preview the championship games this coming weekend. But real quick, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. We're getting closer to 100,000 downloads this month, so please share the podcast with a friend or a fellow Dolphins fan out there and help get us out to more Dolphins fans. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the entire LockedOn network. And last but not least... The other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on the podcast this week has essentially been the hypothetical coaching staff and schemes of those staffs. And even though Brian Flores and Patrick Graham are formalities at this point, I think you can also speak with 99% certainty that Jim Caldwell will be part of this staff in some capacity, even though he will not be the offensive coordinator, at least according to reports so far. And of course, that link to Chad O'Shea, the Patriots wide receivers coach, is out there. He was supposed to be the successor to Josh McDaniels in the same way Brian Flores was kind of the successor to Matt Patricia there in New England. But of course, Josh McDaniels... Daniels is not leaving now. And so that opens up a whole world of possibilities because O'Shea can take that promotion with the Dolphins and basically tell the Pats to go stick it where the sun don't shine. And I talked about it on yesterday's podcast, how big of a win that would be. And the more I look at his background and his makeup on that coaching staff, the more I really, really like him as a potential play caller and offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. He's basically done the most with the smallest budget, if you want to call it that, on the Patriots' entire roster because they do not pay for wide receivers whatsoever, and they always have guys that are well-known for their football acumen. So to me, that's clear that he offers a lot of that. But since the defensive staff is essentially concrete at this point, I wanted to spend some time on the podcast talking about the prototypes for what this particular defense calls for, and I often refer to Chris Greer's appearance a couple of years ago on the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks when he talked about prototypes and how they have how they have them for every position with the Miami Dolphins as an organization, and I believe that has to be some of what Chris Greer believes in, but I also think that at the time it was a Mike Tannenbaum thing because technically Tannenbaum was Greer's boss as far as the pecking order goes. But they were also willing to amend their prototypes in unique circumstances, and the guy that he was referring to in regards to that was Jarvis Landry, who doesn't run well and basically doesn't do anything you would think a receiver is going to do well, but he has the intangibles that made him the player that he was and still is today. So I do want to talk about the defensive makeup of this team as far as body types at certain positions go, and we'll get into that in the next segment, but for now... Let's go back to Brian Flores, who's going to be the 10th head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I know there's a couple of accounts on Twitter that want to keep coming at me and tell me to stop talking about these guys as if they're official, even though they really kind of are. Unless, of course, you think that guys like Schefter and Rappaport and Darlington are just throwing words into the winds, hoping to get something to stick. All three of those huge, big, big time insiders have reported this as a done deal once the Patriots season is over. So we're going to go ahead and approach it in that same way. And one podcast I actually recently came across that has been out there for a while, and I was hesitant because I wasn't a big fan of his draft work on Bleacher Report, but the Stick to Football podcast is really, really good, and I've been listening to it a lot the last couple of weeks. And they talked about this new trend that maybe you don't need the guru coordinator at the top of the helm because... Being a head coach and being a coordinator are not the same job in any capacity and that you really want a guy that can install and run a program and really be there for leadership purposes and the guy that just kind of controls the entire operation of the football team. And that feeds right into the thinking here with Brian Flores and his hire in Miami and we can confirm that. Via the Jeff Darlington tweet from last week on Friday, talking about how Miami didn't have a preference as far as a coordinator goes. They just wanted a football coach to lead the way. The best football coach they could find was what Darlington said. And then there's a couple of character references, both from Patriots players and coaches, as well as Flores himself, that were posted to the Finns message board via member VT underscore dolphin. His name is Brian Meinhart. What's going on, Brian? Hope you and the family are well, brother. But Brian found these great quotes regarding Brian Flores from some Patriots players. And like I mentioned, Flores himself as well. And this first one here comes from an article talking about how Flores interviewed for head coaching jobs back in 2018. And he was the Patriots red zone defensive coordinator that year. And the Pats were fourth in the NFL and red zone defense in 2018. And they had that coordinator who specialized in the red zone. And that's a unique situation, one that I have never really heard of myself. And then there's a quote in the article that Brian also shares, says, quote, you work so hard for so long. This is my 14th year here. I've put in a lot of hours, a lot of time, worked on my craft. A lot of people would say that they're infinitely a great coach. I wasn't. I had to work at this. I've gotten better year after year after year. That's kind of been the hallmark of me as a coach and what kind of coach I want to be. I'll continue to do that and we'll see where it all ends up. And that was that was on com, up there in Boston. And then here's this next post here talking about his implementation of the Patriots defense and his role within it. And he says, there's a long history of this defense. Bill's been here for a number of years. I would say we're going to continue to play the defenses like we've played them for the last 18 seasons since he's been here. My role in that is no different than any other coach on the team. We're trying to put something together here and do whatever helps us win. You can call it a personal imprint, but it's a team imprint. That doesn't resonate with me. It's a team imprint. It's not my imprint. It's our imprint. And that comes from the Sports Hub 985 is where Brian found that article. And this next one here is... And this one comes from the players on the Patriots defense talking about Coach Flores. And these tend to show up a lot in the same way that they did for Darren Rizzi. So I don't put a ton of stock into it, but I think it's worth talking about on the podcast here. And this one comes from Dante Hightower saying, Coach is definitely different. I think guys are learning a lot better and a lot easier. A lot of young guys are stepping up and able to pick up some of the older guys. It definitely works in our our favor. And how does Flores' approach differ from Patricia's? Well, here's the quote. Maybe it's just that the way he teaches it, the way that the guys kind of absorb it a little bit different. We meet a little different. We talk about things a little bit different. It's just small, quirky things that you can't necessarily put a finger on, but it's obvious whenever you can kind of have your first year guys come in or even guys who maybe got signed that can pick things up. You can definitely tell there's a difference along the line. It helps everybody else on the fu- on the field when everybody knows what they're doing. You can play faster and do things different. Whatever he's doing is working, and that comes from the Boston Herald. And then this last one here goes back to that stick-to-football podcast idea, talking about putting offensive coordinators versus defensive coordinators in the big chair And this comes from a former NFL front office official who has hired coaches, done consulting work, done the whole gamut. He says that defensive coordinators tend to be more organized and in tune with the big picture, which goes back to the Darlington tweet about Brian Flores, and they have a keen interest in special teams because it has more of a defensive nature to it and uses a lot of players on the defensive side of the football. But the downside, however, and I agree with this, is that your quarterback might wind up playing for several different offensive coordinators and different play callers, which can and impede their progress and their growth and development so there's an upside and a downside to that and again Brian he is a huge huge Dolphins fan and I love him for that you guys can follow him on Twitter at Brian so Brian thank you for providing all that information for this podcast even though I'm sure you didn't know it wind up on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast here talking about Brian Flores and what he has meant to that team, that organization, and that city being there for so, so long. So I'm excited about Brian Flores. I think he's going to be a great guy, a great leader, a great mentor. Will he be a great coach? We'll find out. And next on the podcast here, we're going to talk about some of the prototypes and how they fit in this defense. We'll do that next on the other side on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Though he is soft-spoken and kind of under the radar, I hope we all got to know Brian Flores a little bit better there, getting to know more about his temperament, his mentality, and approach to the game, a very workmanlike attitude, and that's encouraging. But let's go ahead and get to know what he might call for with his new defense in Miami. And of course, if you guys haven't seen it by now, you should, up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the crash course in Miami's 2019 defensive scheme, which can show you what they're going to bring to the defense as far as multiple fronts different coverage ideas, all that fun stuff. And the idea for this segment on the podcast was born from the Trey Flowers free agency market because, frankly, he's literally the perfect player for Miami and what they're going to want to be on defense this year and going forward. He really should be the target number one of the offseason season outside of Kyler Murray, of course. So I got into looking at his body type and how comparable it is to guys on Miami's roster. And this took me down a rabbit hole where I started thinking about possible fits in this scheme. So first, let's go ahead and start with Trey Flowers, a defensive end who goes 6'2", 265, playing that end position. But the Pats don't really specify defensive tackles on their roster at all. They have 11 defensive linemen, three are listed as DNs, and the rest are simply just DL, defensive linemen, So they are definitely going to ask for lots of versatility when it comes to techniques on that defensive line. And you look at the guys they have up front, whether it's Danny Shelton, Malcolm Brown, Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, they go 345, 320, 315, and 300. That's a lot of beef. And the rest of the guys, they go 280, 280, 260, and 250. And for the Dolphins, Devon Godshaw is 315, and Vincent Taylor is just 280. I thought he was a lot bigger than that. And then you have Akeem Spence at 307, Kendrick Norton, the newcomer at 317, and the Street Free Agents, both in Sylvester Williams and Ziggy Hood, they go 328 and 305. So probably thinking about beef when it comes to interior defensive lineman acquisitions this offseason, because frankly, Godshaw and Taylor. And maybe Norton are the only guys that really figure into that rotation for 2019. In my opinion, I suppose they could bring Williams and or Hood back. I just don't see that happening. And on the outside, everybody basically is in the 250 to 270 range for Miami and in New England, that's basically an outside linebacker in their defense. Every Patriots linebacker is between 220 and 235, except for Kyle Van Noy who is 250 and Dante Hightower at 260, and they play a bit inside and outside as well, but mostly they play on the inside of that defense. Now, Rayquad McMillan, 250, perfect. There's your Mike linebacker. Jerome Baker's just 215, a bit light, but that's the new game, that's where he's going. He can run, he can rush, he can cover, and that's what he'll do in this sc- Kiko is too light to play inside at 239 so even if you want to be dumb and bring him back frankly he's simply just miscast in the defense and just as he does on the front seven Belichick only lists two guys as actual cornerbacks in his secondary it's so weird how he gets away with this stuff they are Jason McCordy, not Devin, Jason, and Stephon Gilmore, though J.C. Jackson, I know, plays tons of cornerback for them. Those guys go 195, 202, 198, just seven pounds of variance there. So pretty similar in their makeup. And Miami is right in line there at the cornerback spot as far as the weight goes on those guys. And it's pretty similar at the safety position as well. So the front seven is really, really, really going to be in for an overhaul this offseason and probably the next one as well. I think the secondary really just needs a dime type of safety a backup and a second starting cornerback opposite Xavier Howard and that that area of the football team can just be set and forget and then real quick looking at the other positions on the team obviously on the offense and how it will translate to a new scheme again the offense is not set so this is a lot of guesswork here and that's why we're just going to gloss over it and not go too in depth on it I mentioned that Chad O'Shea is a son of the Earhart Perkins scheme up there in New England Gaze ran a variation of that same scheme as many teams in the NFL do I think the wide receivers can translate really smoothly right over just pick up right where they left off last year put them all in line maybe you need a big X receiver. I think that's going to be on the list of needs, but it's not pressing at this moment. I think running backs are the same story, Kalen Ballage, Kenyon Drake, both scheme diverse, both passing and running game, you can just push them forward to 2019. I think tight end might not be the same way. I talked about the souped up X receiver and how Mike Kosicki, I guess could possibly be that, but based on his rookie film, I'm not going to put any expectations on him for year 2 until he proves it. I think Durham Smythe will be a good fit as an inline blocking linebacker because the Patriots use that all the damn time and then there's the offensive line which I think needs almost a complete tear down on the interior between the tackles I thought they could get by with maybe Jesse Davis and Josh Sitton coming back but I would probably just go in a new direction there if you can they have to teach better at that position as well because it has been lacking for a long long time all right we've only got three NFL games left until September that sucks bad I know but we're going to preview the championship games here on the other side of the podcast and finish this thing up with some more of your unpopular takes. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Okay, I gave you guys some bad intel on the other side of the podcast there. Vincent Taylor is 305. I don't know where the hell 280 came from on that site that I found. I had to go down to the Dolphins injury reserve list to find that. So Vincent Taylor, 305. I apologize, big man, for taking away your life's work there, at least 20 pounds of it. So Vincent Taylor, 305. That was false. Let's go ahead and talk about some non-Dolphins football here and talk about these championship games coming up. The one seed versus the two seed on both sides of the bracket and... I suppose the first bit of news regarding the Patriots and Chiefs game is that Dolphins fans' really big sticking moment of the season is that we once again ruin the Patriots' home field advantage, much like they did back in 2015 with the victory on the final day of the regular season. Of course, Gronkowski misses the tackle, misses the angle. Dolphins win on the miracle play, and because of that, they will play in Arrowhead. But I kind of feel like celebrating that reminds me of this. Like, I, who, whatever. I don't, that's great. It's a great theory, a great anecdote, but who cares, man? Like, that's our, that's the bright part of our season that's ruining the Patriots' home field advantage in the playoffs. I don't care, but it is a big deal for the Patriots because I think they're going to get, they're going to get beat on Sunday, in my opinion. I think Patrick Mahomes is too much. I don't think anybody right now in the NFL is capable of holding back Patrick Mahomes, especially when you give him Tyreek Hill, the cheetah, Travis Kelsey. Damian Williams balling out, which is so awesome to see, by the way. I love Damian Williams, and good for him for getting that job and running with it. But I think the Chiefs are just too much to handle. They found a pass rush in that weather in Kansas City with uneven footing as far as grass and bad weather. They figured that out much more so than the Colts did. I know the Patriots will travel well as far as weather goes, but they're not a good road team this year. I think the Chiefs take it to the Patriots and end their run of Super Bowl appearances, which please, please do it because I don't want to watch another freaking Super Bowl with the Patriots in it. On the other side, give me the one seed there as well. Give me the New Orleans Saints. I think the Chiefs and Saints were the best teams all year long, wire to wire. Some of the teams propped up in there at times, but for the most part, the Chiefs and the Saints were the most consistent. They already wiped the Rams out at home back earlier in the season. I think that Drew Brees against Jared Goff is a huge gap in talent and ability and skill set, all that fun stuff. I think the Saints are going to take it to the Rams as well. I hope we get good games. But I think that the home teams are going to cover and do just well in these games. It'll be a Saints and Chiefs Super Bowl, which to me would be fantastic. I want to watch both those guys very, very much so in the Super Bowl. So go Chiefs, go Saints. Those are the predictions. Let's go ahead and finish this thing up with some more unpopular takes from you guys on the Twitter timeline there. I put the call out. You get a Twitter shout out here on the podcast. Finishing up for a Friday. This seems like a great way to do it, to send you into the weekend. And this first one here comes from Brett Yaris. He is at Brett BKX. All things being equal, the Patriots still win five Super Bowls with any other starting quarterback, any other starting caliber quarterback, more if they had Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, or Ben Roethlisberger. You know,. I, I get the take, Brett, but I don't agree with it because Brady just has that like Mickey Mantle gene at the end of the game. Two minutes, you, you give him the football back, you know he's going to score. He does it every damn time, even at age 41. So I don't agree with that. I think Brady is very special, but I do get the idea that he is kind of a system quarterback in that sense. But he is still ice water in his veins at the end of games this next one here is a great one on the back end Tom Brady would have zero Super Bowls if he had been on any other team other than the Steelers or Patriots during his career again I disagree this one comes from fins on scout hashtag DTC at Roddy NFL and then his take here that I totally agree with in and out is complete trash give me five guys all day absolutely Roddy spot on with that Next one here comes from JT Evans at JT underscore Evans 97. What's up, JT? Know him from Twitter for a while now. Dolphins should trade Drake if offered a good pick. Miami has proven they can find good running backs, so why keep Drake if the plan is to take a back seat next year? I get the idea because once he gets up for a new contract, typically you don't want to give running backs that money, especially an unproven guy like Kenyon Drake. But goddamn, he's so good. And we just haven't seen it yet. He is such a special running back. I want to see him flourish in this team. And if that happens and you can't afford him, I would understand that for 2020. But I don't want to trade him. I want to see what he can do. Right now, he's a low-value player as far as his contract goes. When he hits free agency after the 2019 season, if he doesn't get signed back by Miami and his production stays with where it has been for the last couple of years then he's not going to get paid. So I think that would be a good signing to bring him back for cheap on a second contract. And then his part two is that rock is the only genre of this generation artists can do well. Country and rap have owned the toilet. I think owned the toilet. I, I like rock way more than everything else. I'm a little bit of a fan of rap. Not much. I despise country. So that's a good take in my opinion. And then this next one here comes from Eldon Johnson. He is at EJ Football. Ryan Tannehill starts opening week 2019. I actually agree with that. I heard the Bengals are sniffing around Ryan Tannehill and they can cut Andy Dalton with basically no ramifications to that. So I can see that move making a lot of sense for them. Obviously the Zach Taylor connection is there as well. And then Eldon goes with this crazy take. Fry sauce is better than ketchup. Maybe, I don't know. It's not for me. Ketchup is, I'm not a a, a partial bystander here because I love ketchup so, so, so much. Ketchup is the shit and that's another reason I love Patrick Mahomes. So ketchup, way better than fry sauce. Bad take, Eldon. Just kidding. Love you, brother. Next one here comes from Miami projected 16 and 0. he is at defense. The Miami Dolphins fight song isn't good at all. I agree. It's terrible. Let's update that thing. I don't, I get tradition and everything, but that song is so bad that yeah, you're you're right. And then this next one, his other take one storied houses are infinitely better times or infinitely times better than two or three story houses. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I'm working upstairs in my house right now. And this little upstairs office is my sanctuary. So I disagree with that. Although a nice rancher style house is very, very nice. Next one here. I love this one from Cody O'Day at Attraction Law 84 Cody, one of these days you and I are going to sell all of our belongings and go forage for berries in the forest for the rest of our lives. He says Super Bowl parties are for rookies or casual fans. The game should be enjoyed distraction-free. Hell yeah. Even though I go to Super Bowl parties every single year with my long, long, long time friends. But I always hate it because I can't hear the game. I want to watch the game and this year, goddammit, I'm going to do it. Also, he says Maroon 5 is easily the worst band in the last 60 years, and the halftime show will once again be used for pooping, peeing, eating, or all three, and your podcast is amazing. Well, Cody, thank you so much, and if you're pooping, peeing, and eating at the same time, maybe time to reevaluate your life decisions, but nonetheless, Cody, spot on on all those takes. Those are very popular takes with me. The rest of you guys might not feel the same way. We're going to do a couple more here. This next one comes from Travis Moore, at moore for Me if you're ordering pizza, getting wings to go with it is a waste of money. Just get another pizza because wings are insanely overrated. Agreed. You're right. You're totally right. And pizza is the best food there ever was. So 100% 100% pizza way 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 better than wings next one here comes from zach carey at zach attack 3733. adam gaze wins the east and coach of the year i do not agree with that you are right zach on a dolphins forum that is going to be a very unpopular take now the other one i totally agree with because you're right i don't know who can stand to watch sitcom television on major networks like what what are you doing there's netflix and hulu and amazon prime and hbo and premium cable he says big bang theory is an awful show and acted ter- Well, I don't know if you can act that well because there are jokes written for... I don't want to offend the audience here, but those jokes are not written for people that really like to bite into their comedy. It's background noise, really. It's just kind of background humor like, set up, set up, set up, punchline, laugh track. That doesn't do it for me. For me, I need way more to keep me intrigued in a TV show than laugh tracks and very obvious punchlines they walk themselves right into. And there's a few more, but we don't have any more time. I think that's a great spot to end on for the podcast here as that is going to be my time. Again, if you guys have a smart speaker... You can play the Locked On Podcast Network anytime, anywhere. Just say, play Locked On Dolphins Podcast on your smart speaker to get that loaded up right quickly. And also, as always, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night, and weekend we'll talk to you again on monday for another edition of the locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football fins up everybody